We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. And away we go. Episode 127 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Saturday, August 21st, 2021. Yes, it is Saturday, and yet we are together. That's a beautiful thing. Hello and welcome to a special weekend installment of the Al Galdi Podcast, a Washington football team postgame installment of the pod. This will not be a normal show. This will be an abnormal show, but in a good way. This entire show will be focused on the Washington football team, especially its 17-13 preseason win over the Cincinnati Bengals at FedEx Field on Friday night to improve to 1-1 and this preseason. Hey, we have gotten to 500 in this preseason. Coming up next segment, the front five, my five biggest takeaways from the game. I also have for you a plethora of other observations from the game. You will hear on this show every relevant thing that Ron Rivera said at his postgame press conference late night on Friday night. And I have some thoughts for you on the latest in the name saga as Jason Wright on Thursday tweeted and spoke about the bleeped out candidates for the Washington football team's permanent name. Uh, Those bleeps, of course, coming toward the end of the latest installment of the team's YouTube series, Making the Brand. I'll get back to talking Nationals, Orioles, and everything else come Monday's show. I am, as I speak to you right now, hours away from the dual birthday party in the Galdi household. Saturday at high noon is the party for my son, who on Monday will turn four, and my daughter, who on Friday turned one. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. I have received a ton of tweets about the dual birthday party on Saturday. It's funny, doing a podcast like this one, you never know what's going to gain traction with people. And it's been so funny to me during the life of this podcast, the extent to which the intro song has become a thing. Uh, For a while, whether I should curse on the podcast was a thing. And now over the last few days, this dual birthday party is a thing. Tweet from Dino, enjoy the B-Day party. Tweet from Ricky, happy birthday to your kids, big fan from South Texas. Uh, Tweet from Red Wolves Beat Report, happy birthday to the little Galdies. Tweet from Edge, happy B-Day to your kids. My birthday is today, meaning Friday. Well, happy birthday uh, to you, Edge. Tweet from Rob Bailey. Happy birthday to your little ones, Al. Tweet from the Rally Mullet Nats fan. HBD to your kids. Have fun with the superhero party. Have a couple adult beverages. Tweet from Ashia. Find you a hiding spot at the double party. Have fun. Happy birthday to both kids, Al. Tweet from RBM. Reminder, you have to dress up for the party. Yeah. So about that. Uh, So as I speak right now, 
and tape this. It is 4.37 a.m. on Saturday. The party starts at noon, and I still don't know what I'm dressing up as, or even if I'm dressing up. Uh, I'm not a big dress-up person. Now, my wife did find a Batman mask, so maybe I'll just throw that on my face. Hey, does that count as me wearing a mask, by the way? Somebody get a ruling from the CDC on that. But the theme of the party, yes, is superheroes. But what's funny is that my son really isn't that into superheroes. Like, he likes some of them, but I wouldn't say that superheroes are his number one thing. Do you know what his number one thing is, truthfully? Landscaping. Yeah. He is like so into landscaping work and landscaping workers. He every day, every day pretends to mow the lawn, use a trimmer, use a leaf blower. He hums the sounds of these things when he is pretending to do these things. In other words, he'll make the noise of a leaf blower as he is pretending to blow leaves in the living room. He will pretend to get suited up like a landscaper. He has this landscaper walk that he does. When landscapers come to our neighborhood, he runs to the window to watch them. And when I say runs, I mean, he's like full-on Curtis Samuel in running to the window to watch the landscapers. Now, the landscapers don't come to our house, okay? Dada does the landscaping work at our house. And in about 10 years, he better still have this passion for this stuff because Dada is going to pass the torch to him, uh, whether he wants the torch or not. The torch will be surgically implanted in his hand if that's what has to happen. Uh, Dada was out there doing landscaping work for about four hours on Thursday. But uh, it's too bad that there isn't like a cartoon about landscapers because he'd be all over that. That would be the ultimate theme to a birthday party for him. Anyway, this is a big time of year. Football season ramping up. There's a lot going on with the Washington football team. We go in-depth on the Washington football team on every installment of the Al Galdi podcast. If you don't already subscribe to the pod, please consider doing so. Subscribing costs you nothing and helps out the podcast a lot. And if you haven't yet given the podcast a five-star rating and or haven't yet written like a one or two-sentence review saying how much you like the podcast, uh, more sentences are fine if you want to write more. Uh, Please consider doing these things, the five-star rating and the reviewing. Uh, Those things cost you nothing. They take less than a minute to do, and they help us out a lot. And I thank you for doing those things. This is a special Saturday installment of the Al Galdi podcast, and this special show is brought to you by John Grandland of Real Broker. You know, there is no preseason in real estate. Every day in real estate is the regular season, if not the postseason, and John Grandland is what you call a clutch performer. You know how some people choke in the big spot, how some people gack in the big spot? John's the exact opposite. He rises to the occasion. He's like Joe Gibbs. You know, Joe Gibbs in his career went a ridiculous 17 and 7 in the postseason. Think about that. 17 and 7 in the playoffs. Well, John Granlin is the Joe Gibbs of DMV real estate. Actually, now that I think about it, John G is the Joe G of real estate. How about that? And John Granlin offers something that you know that Washington's current head coach loves commission flex. Position flex. Yes, Ron. You have position flex. John G. has commission flex. What is commission flex, you ask? Well, it's simple. Flexible commission rates. You see, not every house requires the same amount of work or money spent marketing. So why should you pay the same fees no matter what? That doesn't make sense. That has never made sense. John Grandlin is changing the game. If your house is going to sell in six minutes, you should not have to pay 6%. John Grandlin will put a marketing plan together for you that will maximize your home's value and help you keep more of your hard-earned equity in your pocket. You see, John Grandlin has a menu of commission packages that you can choose from, including selling your home for free. Yeah, you heard that right. For free, some conditions do apply. But interviewing John Grandlin is an absolute no-brainer. He can come by your house and give you a step-by-step plan on what to do to get top dollar. And maybe even more importantly, what not to do so you don't spend needlessly and there is never any obligation to list or sell. John Granlin is a great dude, a huge Washington football team fan, a big Nats fan too. And most importantly, he understands the real estate market in the DMV. Do yourself a favor and call John Granlin. This is a phone call that could make and or save you tens of thousands of dollars. 
Call John G at 703-537-6747. When you call John Granlin, make sure that you tell him that Al Galdi sent you and make sure that you ask him about what you keep hearing about on the Al Galdi podcast, Commission Flex. That phone number again, 703-537-6747 or visit johngsellsforfree.com. That's johngsellsforfree.com. John Granlin, nobody will do a better job of selling your home. And remember, he is the master of commission flex. Position flex. Yes, Ron, just like position flex. All right, so let's get right to it. The front five, my five biggest takeaways from the Washington football team improving to one and one this preseason with a 17-13 win over the Cincinnati Bengals at FedEx Field on Friday night. Takeaway number one, Jarrett Patterson is making the Washington football team's season opening 53-man roster. I do believe that we can now declare this. If the debate of whether Jarrett Patterson is making Washington's season opening 53-man roster was a UFC fight, and we were a UFC referee. We were, say, Big John McCarthy or Steve Mazagotti, as the UFC's voice of the octagon, Bruce Buffer, has said, or Herb Dean. Uh, we would stop the fight, okay? We would say, that's it. That's enough. It's over. The star of this game on Friday night was Jarrett Patterson. He had 16 carries for 71 yards and a touchdown. That's 4.44 yards per carry. He had three receptions for 25 yards on three targets. He had a 37-yard kickoff return in the third quarter. Jarrett Patterson on Friday night excelled as a ball carrier, a pass catcher, and a kickoff returner. Of course, it is the ball carrying that stands out the most. Patterson runs with burst vision and an ability to break tackles. Look, we saw this in Washington's preseason opener, the 22-13 loss at the New England Patriots now two Thursday nights ago. So I don't think anybody is stunned that Jared Patterson had the night that he had on Friday night. And I said months ago, Jared Patterson was going to be a preseason hero. But what we didn't know was, okay, even if he is a preseason hero, is he a legitimate preseason hero to where that ends up earning him a spot on Washington's season opening 53-man roster? Or is he more, you know, like a Marcus Mason preseason hero? A nice story, a fun story, a guy you root for, but a guy who ultimately has no meaningful impact on the team. Well, I think Jarrett Patterson is making the season opening 53-man roster. Now, does he end up having a meaningful impact on Washington this regular season? We'll see, but I think that he could. I mean, what... Patterson did on Friday night was impressive. Washington's sixth offensive drive resulted in a second quarter punt, fifth snap of the drive. Patterson, a second and eight, 14 yard shotgun handoff run. Washington's seventh offensive drive resulted in Dustin Hopkins' late second quarter, 31 yard field goal for a 6 3 Washington lead, fourth snap of the drive. Patterson, second and six, seven yard shotgun handoff run. Washington's eighth offensive drive was to me the Jarrett Patterson drive. This was Washington's first offensive drive of the second half, started at the Washington 39, thanks to a 37-yard kickoff return by Patterson. This was the drive that resulted in the Dustin Hopkins third quarter 31-yard field goal that cut Washington's deficit to 10-9. Patterson was all over this drive. Third snap, Patterson, first and 10, five-yard shotgun handoff run. Fifth snap, Patterson, third and two, nine-yard shotgun handoff run. Seventh snap, Patterson, second and one, two-yard shotgun handoff run, on which he spun away from an attempted tackle by Bengals linebacker Joe Bacci, who probably wished that he was playing Bacci in that moment. Uh, Washington's ninth offensive drive. This resulted in... Jared Patterson's touchdown run, that fourth quarter, second and goal, one-yard shotgun handoff touchdown run. And then after the touchdown was a good-looking Kyle Allen shotgun completion to Antonio Gandy-Golden on a back shoulder throw for a successful two-point attempt and a 17-10 Washington lead. First snap of the drive, Patterson, first and 10, 14-yard under center handoff run. Fourth snap of the drive, Patterson, third and one, two-yard shotgun handoff run. Fifth snap of the drive on a first and goal at the seven. Patterson, a six-yard under center handoff run. We saw him have success on gun runs. We saw him have success on under center handoff runs. We saw him have success in short yardage situations. 
And to those who will say, well, who was he running against? I come back to you and say, well, who was he running with? Okay. If you're going to knock Jarrett Patterson's performance by saying, well, he did a lot in the second half of a preseason game, that's fine. But note, while the Bengals were playing second and third stringers, Washington was playing second and third stringers. So while you may have had second and third string, say, tackling by the Bengals, you also had second and third string, say, blocking by Washington. So I don't look at this thing and say, well, it doesn't really mean anything. No, I think this means something. Jarrett Patterson can play. Now, again, what he ends up being come the regular season, we do not know. But Jarrett Patterson, to me, is making Washington season opening 53-man roster. And all I did was just cover what he did as a ball carrier and as a kickoff return man. Jared Patterson also can catch the football. We saw that in the preseason opener at the Pats. We saw that again on Friday night. Patterson had three receptions for 25 yards on three targets. Washington's sixth offensive drive resulted in a second quarter punt, third snap of that drive. Taylor Heineke, a great throw on a third and four, four-yard shotgun completion to Patterson. That was a big catch by Patterson. Uh, Washington's seventh offensive drive. This resulted in the Dustin Hopkins late second quarter, 31-yard field goal for a 6-3 Washington lead. Patterson on that drive, big catches on back-to-back snaps. Fifth snap, Heineke off stepping up of the pocket. First and 10, 11-yard shotgun completion to a wide-open Patterson with Washington going no huddle. And then the snap after that, Heineke first and 10, 10-yard shotgun completion to Patterson with Washington going no huddle. Ron Rivera, late night on Friday night during his post-game press conference on Jarrett Patterson's performance. I thought it was solid. I, I really did. I mean, he's an explosive, dynamic young back. Um, you know, we gave him some opportunities early on with the first bunch, and, 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 and he did a nice job with that. And then when the second bunch was in there, twos on twos, I thought he really, uh, he, he really showed his ability. Um, you know, and again, you've got to be able to do that consistently. And, and so we'll see. You know, he'll get some more opportunities. We, we still have one more preseason game left to go. You've said in the past that you're looking, among other things, to see how players react with the pads coming on with, the, with live action. Is he one of those that you think thrives in these types of situations? Or? I, I do. I think he's a guy that, that, that does thrive in these types of situations. It's, it's his style of football, you know, the way he plays um, and, and his stature. Uh, it, it, it is, he, he does a nice job with, uh, with what he has, and uh, he's, he's very effective. Yes, he is. Ron then got asked this question. Has Jarrett Patterson's work over two preseason games changed how Ron views Patterson's potential role on the Washington football team should he make its season opening 53-man roster? No, no. We feel very comfortable with the role we have for him, um, and we'll see how it goes. Hmm. We feel very comfortable with the role we have for him, and we'll see how it goes. That implies that Jared Patterson already has a role on the Washington football team. Might it be that Jared Patterson already was making Washington's season opening 53-man roster prior to Friday night's game against the Bengals? I think that's possible, but you gotta think that Patterson's work against the Bengals cemented his spot on Washington's season opening 53-man roster. Look, if you're not going to keep Patterson on the season opening roster, then you're going to try to practice squad. And remember, you have 16 available spots on your practice squad. In order to get someone onto the practice squad, that someone has to clear waivers. So you have to cut a player, expose him to waivers, hope that he clears waivers, and then sign him to your practice squad. That's how you get someone on your practice squad to begin a season. At this point, is Jarrett Patterson going to clear waivers. Now, I know that we're all guilty of this, myself included, of we think that our guys are the greatest guys in the history of guys, and then they end up really not being that great, and the guys like all clear waivers, you know, and the rest of the league wasn't nearly as impressed by these guys as we all were. But I don't think that's going to happen with Jared Patterson at this point. I think Washington cannot risk exposing him to waivers. Maybe he would clear him. I mean, you never know with something like that. But at this point, if I'm Ron Rivera, That's not a risk that I'm willing to take. I mean, Jared Patterson in Washington's preseason opening loss at the Patriots led Washington in both rushing yards and receiving yards. He had 10 carries for 40 yards. He had four receptions for 30 yards on four targets. And then Patterson on Friday night against the Bengals was even better. 16 carries for 71 yards and a touchdown. Three receptions for 25 yards on three targets. And a 37-yard kickoff return 
in the third quarter. In fact, Ron later in his postgame press conference got asked about Patterson's third quarter 37-yard kickoff return. That's pretty dying out. I mean, he, you know, it, if if we can understand how to make that return feel like a running play for him, uh, he's got a chance to make some 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 plays. He really does, um, and 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 that's something that that can be a dynamic thing for us too. I mean, just listening to Ron's answer right there, you tell me, does that sound like a head coach who is not planning on keeping Jarrett Patterson? on the team season opening 53-man roster. I mean, that to me sounds like Ron already has made up his mind. Jarrett Patterson is making Washington's season opening 53-man roster. Terrific story. Undrafted rookie running back out of the university at Buffalo, a local, went to St. Vincent Pilate High School in Laurel, Maryland, and he has been very good for Washington over two games so far this preseason. More of the front five momentarily, but it was on Tuesday's show, episode 124, that we discussed Ron Rivera really opening up about his battle with cancer last year. Ron's cancer was a version of skin cancer called squamous cell carcinoma. Skin health obviously matters a lot. Skin health is the expertise of a big supporter of the Al Galdi podcast, Dr. George Verghese. He is the medical director for the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. He's a board-certified dermatologist and Mohs surgeon. The Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland diagnoses and treats a broad range of acute and chronic skin conditions, including skin cancer. And specific to that, Dr. George Verghese and his institute offer something that's a game changer, superficial radiation therapy, or SRT. SRT is an alternative to surgical procedures for basal cell and squamous cell skin cancers. SRT is safe, effective, and non-surgical. You see, having skin cancer doesn't mean having to have surgery and the downtime and side effects, cosmetic and otherwise, that come with surgery. You have options. SRT is an option, and Dr. George Verghese in the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland offer the option of SRT, unlike many other dermatology practices in the area, and SRT is covered by most insurances. If you or someone you know is dealing with skin cancer, first of all, we hope that you or that someone you know is doing well. But second of all, contact Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. The phone number is 301-396-3401. Make sure that you tell them that Al Galdi sent you. That phone number again, 301 396 3401 or visit com. That's midatlanticskin.com. Dr. George Verghese in the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland, nationally recognized for treating skin cancer across the Mid-Atlantic region. The front five, my five biggest takeaways from the Washington football team improving to one and one in the preseason with a 17-13 win over the Cincinnati Bengals at FedEx Field on Friday night. Takeaway number two, uh, this was a very mixed game for Ryan Fitzpatrick. There were moments of Ryan Fitzmagic. There also, though, were moments of Ryan Fitztragic, although he ended up not committing a turnover in the game. So Fitzpatrick played for four offensive drives and for the entire first quarter. He was very mixed. In fact, Ron Rivera during his postgame press conference said that Fitzpatrick, quote, was a little fired up. He overshot a couple throws that he's been making. And quote, Fitzpatrick went 7-13 for 96 yards, no touchdowns and no interceptions, took one sack. He seemed to be especially off on throws to Adam Humphreys, which is odd because the two of them played together on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for two seasons, 2017 and 2018, which were Humphreys' two best NFL seasons so far in his career. In fact, here was Ron Rivera during his postgame press conference late night on Friday night on Fitzpatrick's performance. I think Fitzy was a little fired up. He overshot a couple of throws that uh, he's he was been he's been making. So um, a lot of good things in terms of that. Uh, you know, good decisions were made. Ball was delivered where it should be uh, to the right intended receiver. And, and like I said he he looked a little fired up. I mean, he, he threw a couple high balls and uh, a little uncharacteristic of him. Yeah, so Ron was pretty honest about Fitzpatrick's performance on Friday night. It's not that Fitzpatrick was terrible. Again, it was just a very mixed performance. Washington's first offensive drive was the first drive of the game resulted in a first quarter punt. First snap of the drive, Fitzpatrick, a first and 10, 28-yard shotgun play action completion 
to a wide-open Logan Thomas. Great start to the night for Washington's offense. But then the fourth snap of the drive, Fitzpatrick threw too far in front of an open Logan Thomas on a third and six shotgun incompletion. Washington's second offensive drive started at the Bengals' 45, but resulted in a first-quarter turnover on downs. Sixth snap of the drive, Fitzpatrick, a third and five, four-yard shotgun completion to J.D. McKissick. No, Washington did not get the first down, but I actually thought there was a pretty good play by Fitzpatrick. He made the pass while being blasted by Bengals edge rusher Darius Hodge. Ron Rivera challenged the spot, but was unsuccessful. Washington's third offensive drive resulted in a first quarter lost fumble by Cam Sims. First snap of the drive, Fitzpatrick held onto the ball for too long. Was trying to throw deep. I get it. I like that. But uh, if nothing's happening and the pocket is collapsing. You got to do something. Fitzpatrick did nothing. He took a first and 10 sack by edge rusher Sam Hubbard for a four-yard loss. Second snap of the drive. This is where the Fitzpatrick-Humphreys thing started. Fitzpatrick, a second and 14 shotgun incompletion intended for Humphreys as Fitzpatrick and Humphreys either weren't on the same page or Fitzpatrick just made a bad throw. Washington's fourth offensive drive. This was a scoring drive. Nine plays, 64 yards, resulted in Dustin Hopkins' late first quarter, 34-yard field goal that tied the game at three. Third snap of the drive. Fitzpatrick, first and 10, 14-yard under center play action completion to Antonio Gibson on a screen. All right, that's good. Fifth snap of the drive. Love this play. How could you not? Fitzpatrick, a second and five, 29-yard shotgun play action completion to Deami Brown on a back shoulder throw. The back shoulder throw rather quickly is becoming a favorite, it seems, of Fitzpatrick as Washington football team quarterback. Eighth snap of the drive, Fitzpatrick, a near pick. So we go from good to bad. A near pick on a second and 10 shotgun incompletion intended for Adam Humphreys. So the Bengals linebacker, Marcus Bailey, nearly pulling off the interception. And then the ninth snap of the drive, Fitzpatrick off on a throw to Humphreys in the end zone on a third and 10 shotgun incompletion. Takeaway number three, Taylor Heineke looked good for a second time in as many preseason games. You likely have heard and or read about Heineke not having had a great training camp. He hasn't had a great training camp. It has been an up and down training camp. But as I have said, Heineke's best traits are such that they really don't convey in practice. His best traits are such that they convey far more in games than in practices. Taylor Heineke is a classic guy who is a gamer, not a practice player. Heineke entered the game for Washington's first drive in the second quarter and played over the second and third quarters. Uh, Heineke played more than any other Washington quarterback on Friday night. He used his legs a ton. I thought he overall looked good, uh, with the exception of a really bad fumble. And we'll get to that here. But Heineke began his outing nine for nine albeit for 62 yards. I mean, that's not a great yards per pass attempt, but he was accurate. Uh, He then threw a late second quarter near pick. Heineke for the game, 11 of 13 for 80 yards, no touchdowns and no interceptions, and took what was officially a sack on his fumble. Also, Heineke had four carries for 26 yards. Here was Ron Rivera during his postgame press conference with his thoughts on how Taylor Heineke did. Well, the big thing about it, and you guys, you know, you, you, maybe you guys noticed it too, was <clears throat> with, when, when he gets into the game, he's, his mobility shows. In practice, he doesn't, he's not looking to scramble in practice. I guess in the game, if there's an opportunity to move forward, he does. And, and, and that's the big difference, and, and that's what really shows. That's a big asset for him is his quickness, his athletic ability. Um, you see he's got a little bit smarter. He's sliding a little bit more, running out of bounds a couple more times, which made me happy, so I was glad to see that. All right, so right there, what Ron said about Taylor Heineke's mobility, that's what I've been saying. Heineke is not a guy whose biggest strengths convey in practice the biggest strengths convey in the game. So him not looking great in these practices should not be taken as gospel. Go more by how he does in games, not in practices. And Taylor Heineke in games, I think, has been impressive. Now, I'm not saying that he should absolutely be Washington's starting quarterback come week one against the Chargers at FedEx Field, but as I have said for months, Taylor Heineke should not be dismissed as an option to be Washington's starting quarterback. And I think what we just heard from Ron Rivera there is reason to think that Taylor Heineke is viewed as an option. Not necessarily like, oh, he's neck and neck with Ryan Fitzpatrick right now. But hey, if we have to go to Taylor at some point this season, we can and we're not doomed. And I don't think that Washington would be doomed. Uh, Some of the moments that stood out to me 
when it came to Taylor Heineke's game on Friday night. Washington's fifth offensive drive was Heineke's first drive of the game resulted in a second quarter three and out. Third snap of the drive. This was the boo-boo. Heineke simply losing the ball for a fumble as he was climbing the pocket. Uh, This play officially went down as a third and five sack strip that was recovered by Washington, was recovered by the offensive lineman Tyler Larson. But this was inexcusable. You cannot have this. Uh, Heineke, while running forward, carried the ball with just his right hand as opposed to both hands. I mean, that's basic football. And Heineke violated a basic football rule. The ball was jarred loose by Bengals defensive tackle Freedom Akin Muladoon. And this was not the only time on Friday night that ball security popped up as an issue for Taylor Heineke. Washington's sixth offensive drive. This was Heineke's second drive of the game. Resulted in a second quarter punt. Third snap of the drive. Heineke, a great throw on a third and four, four-yard shotgun completion to Jarrett Patterson. But on the fourth snap of the drive, Heineke again did not have two hands on the ball on a first and 10 two-yard shotgun play action scramble at the end of which he did lose the football, although the play was over. So no official fumble on the play, but that was nearly a fumble. Uh, Sixth snap of the drive, Heineke, first and 10, 17-yard shotgun play action completion to Antonio Gandy-Golden. Washington's seventh offensive drive. This was Heineke's third drive of the game. A 10-play, 56-yard drive resulted in Dustin Hopkins' late second quarter, 31-yard field goal for a 6-3 Washington lead. Second snap of the drive, final snap before the first half, two-minute warning. Heineke, a second and six, 12-yard shotgun scramble on which he outran Bengals edge rusher Cam Sample for first down yardage. Terrific play by Taylor Heineke. Fifth snap of the drive. Heineke off stepping up in the pocket, a first and 10, 11-yard shotgun completion to a wide open Jarrett Patterson with Washington going no huddle. Sixth snap of the drive. Heineke first and 10, 10-yard shotgun completion to Jarrett Patterson with Washington going no huddle. Seventh snap of the drive. Heineke first and 10, 8-yard shotgun completion to Cam Sims with Washington going no huddle. Seventh snap of the drive, Heineke a second and two shotgun near pick uh, due to him underthrowing Diami Brown. The play was initially ruled an interception by Bengals linebacker Marcus Bailey, but the play then overturned into an incompletion. And then Washington's eighth offensive drive. This was Washington's first offensive drive of the second half. This was a scoring drive. 11 plays, 49 yards resulted in Dustin Hopkins' third quarter, 31-yard field goal that cut Washington's deficit to 10-9. Second snap of the drive, Heineke, a second and eight, 16-yard shotgun completion to Antonio Gandy-Golden, who did a really nice job on this play, spun out of an attempted tackle by Bengals linebacker Joe Bocci. And then on the sixth snap of the drive, Heineke, a first and 10, 9-yard play action boot scramble. So he had the fumble, which was not good. He had the other play on which ball security could have been an issue, ultimately wasn't. And then he had the near pick. So I think like three real bad moments for Heineke. I'm sure the coaching staff will look at the tape and find other nits to pick. But just watching the game, three to me bad moments for Heineke. Otherwise, I thought he looked good. And what he brings to the table in terms of mobility really is something. This is not something we've had a lot of here for Washington. I mean, truth be told, Washington has not had a true run threat at quarterback since Robert Griffin III. Okay, like you've had other guys who can maybe move a little bit. Like Ryan Fitzpatrick actually can move and is capable of running with the football. But Taylor Heineke's legs are truly weapons for him. And we see that every time this guy takes the field, whether it's the regular season or the postseason or the preseason. And we saw that again on Friday night. The front five, my five biggest takeaways from the Washington football team improving to one and one in the preseason with a 17-13 win over the Cincinnati Bengals at FedEx Field on Friday night. Takeaway number four, Washington's defense in the first half did as the defense should have done, and that is dominate. Uh, So the Bengals did not play Joe Burrow and instead had Brandon Allen as their starting quarterback. Uh, That very much needs to be understood. But also, in effect, was this. Washington did not play its top two corners. Neither William Jackson III nor Kendall Fuller played in this game. Uh, Defensive players who did not play for Washington, Jackson Fuller and edge rusher Casey Tuhill. So, you know, it's not like Washington was at total full strength either. And Washington's first half defense was excellent. I mean, Washington, if it's going to be a great defensive team, you say to yourself, all right, Washington should just slam the door shut on the Brandon Allen quarterback Bengals in the first half of this game on Friday night. And that's what Washington did. Washington, over the first two quarters, held the Bengals to just three points, held the Bengals to 0 for 6 on third downs, held the Bengals to just 55 
total net yards of offense. It was interesting with Jackson and Fuller not playing, Washington's starting corners were Benjamin St. Juice, Jimmy Moreland, and Torrey McTire. Uh, Washington began the game in nickel. And Washington's starting safeties for the game, interestingly, were Cameron Curl and Bobby McCain. Landon Collins did not start, although Landon Collins did play and did make a really nice play. Now, you know, the fact that McCain started, does that really mean much? Probably not, but it is something to be mindful of. All right, some defensive plays that stood out to me. Bengals' first offensive drive resulted in a first quarter punt, second snap of the drive. Chase Young, a great job of helping to force the run back inside. Montez Sweat and Cole Holcomb making the tackle on a Joe Mixon first and 12, one yard under center toss run. The Bengals' third offensive drive. This, to me, was the Benjamin St. Juice drive. You like either juice? I like either juice. You like the juice, huh? <laughs> yeah, you know. The juice is good, huh? Yes, we all like the juice of what Benjamin St. Juice did on this drive. So the drive started at the Washington 35, thanks to Cam Sims' first quarter loss fumble. The drive did result in points. Uh, Evan McPherson, a first quarter 37-yard field goal for a 3-0 Bengals lead. But third snap of the drive, Benjamin St. Juice. Good coverage on Bengals receiver T. Higgins on a Brandon Allen second and five shotgun overthrow on a deep incompletion. And then on the next snap of the drive, the fourth snap of the drive, Benjamin St. Juice, a pass defense on a Brandon Allen third and five shotgun incompletion intended for Bengals receiver Jamar Chase. You like the juice? We like the juice. You like the juice, eh? Yes, we like you, the juice. Uh, Bengals' fourth offensive drive started late in the first quarter, resulted in an early second quarter three and out. Third snap of the drive, second snap of the second quarter. Jimmy Moreland, a leaping pass defense on a Brandon Allen third and five shotgun incompletion intended for receiver Trent Taylor. And then the Bengals' fifth offensive drive resulted in a second quarter three and out. The first snap of the drive was the Landon Collins play. What a play this was. Collins coming flying in for a great tackle on former Washington tight end Thaddeus Moss on a Brandon Allen first and 10, two-yard under center play action boot completion. You know, it's funny. We're having all of this Jarrett Patterson conversation And on display in this game for Cincinnati was Thaddeus Moss, who was the undrafted rookie darling of last summer for the Washington football team. So that's a cautionary tale, right? Everyone went nuts over Thaddeus Moss, and he turned out to be a big nothing for Washington. Maybe that happens with Jarrett Patterson. Although, let's be fair, there was no preseason last year. All of the Thaddeus Moss hype was theoretical. The Thaddeus Moss hype was based on what he did at LSU and was based on who his daddy is, Randy Moss. The Thaddeus Moss hype was never predicated on anything he actually did in a Washington uniform in terms of a game. The Jarrett Patterson hype is based on what we now have seen from Patterson over two preseason games. So that is a key distinction. But I did get a kick out of Landon Collins coming flying in for a terrific tackle on Thaddeus Moss. I also got a kick out of seeing our old pal Samaje Pirine, uh, one of Jay Gruden's favorite running backs. Remember when Jay, going into the 2019 season, was talking up Samaje Pirine because Jay wanted to cut Adrian Peterson? Uh, well, old Samaje in this game on Friday night. Uh, two carries, three yards. Uh, that sounds about right. Uh, Samaje uh, on display there for the Cincinnati Bengals at FedEx Field. And then takeaway number five, perhaps we save the best for last. I'll let you decide. Dustin. Hopkins delivered. Hopkins delivers. Yes, Hopkins delivers. Hopkins delivered in this game. Although, you know, it's all relative. So Dustin Hopkins did go three for three on field goals against the Bengals off going 0 for two on field goals in Washington's preseason opening loss at the Patriots two Thursday nights ago. Hopkins in this game against Cincinnati, a late first quarter 34-yard field goal that tied the game at three, a late second quarter 31-yard field goal for a 6-3 Washington lead, and a third quarter 31-yard field goal that cut Washington's deficit to 10-9. So this needs to be understood. 
These were chip shots. These were gimmies. I am not going to do cartwheels here over Dustin Hopkins going three for three on field goals. Remember, his misses in the preseason opening loss at the Pats were on lengthier field goal attempts. Hopkins in that game missed a first quarter 40-yard field goal try and a third quarter 50-yard field goal try. But fair is fair. He went two for two on his field goal attempts on Friday night. And when it comes to the operation that Ron Rivera has talked a lot about, right? The new field goal operation for the Washington football team with the rookie long snapper, the cheese man, Cameron Cheeseman. Here was Ron during his postgame press conference late night on Friday night on how the operation looked against the Bengals. I mean, you know, that's that's what we're working towards. I, I, I think, again, as I told you guys last week, you know, that what happened was we're learning the process. And that's so we have to continue. I mean, we're not satisfied with it, obviously. We just want to keep honing it and getting it better and better and more precise. And he's got to get more and more comfortable. I mean, it's just going to come from uh, from from more and more reps together. Um, am I happy about it? Yeah, I am. Uh, I am. And and you know, I'm very confident in it because he's a, he's a good young snapper, got a good holder, and we got a, a very good kicker. So it's just a matter of working it and continue to work it. Yeah, you know, Ron is sounding more and more annoyed whenever he gets asked about the Dustin Hopkins situation, you know, or gets asked about the field goal operation situation. I did think that it was interesting that Ron opted to go for it and not try a Dustin Hopkins field goal attempt in the first quarter. Washington had a fourth and one at the Bengals 23. Tried to get the first down, did not. Uh, Antonio Gibson got stuffed on a shotgun handoff run for no gain. Now, strategically, I'm just fine with that call on a fourth and one at the opponent's 23, you go for it. But in, you know, a make-believe football game, like a preseason game is, if your kicker has been struggling or your field goal operation has been struggling, you might think, hey, let's get that kicker, let's get that field goal operation as much work as possible. But uh, Ron opted to go for it there instead of have Dustin Hopkins try uh, the field goal attempt uh, at the end of Washington's second offensive drive. So there you have it, the front five, my five biggest takeaways from the Washington football team improving to one and one in the preseason with a 17-13 win over the Cincinnati Bengals at FedEx Field on Friday night. Takeaway number one, Jared Patterson is making the Washington football team's season opening 53-man roster. I am calling it on this installment of the podcast. Takeaway number two, this was a very mixed game for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Takeaway number three, Taylor Heineke looked good for a second time in as many preseason games. Takeaway number four, Washington's defense in the first half did as the defense should have done, and that is dominate. And takeaway number five, Dustin Hopkins delivered. Up next, other observations from the game, including Washington's overall lack of scoring so far this preseason, Antonio Gibson's performance, and more. We'll get to all of that after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, we get back to it. The breakdown of the Washington football team improving to 1-1 one and one in the 2021 preseason with a 17-13 win over the Cincinnati Bengals at FedEx Field 
on Friday night. Let's get to some game items that we have not yet hit on. So there were some good moments for Washington quarterbacks in this game. We outlined some of them during the front five segment last segment. But the bottom line was that Washington's offense for a second time in as many games this preseason didn't score many points. Uh, This game leaves Washington as having totaled just 30 points over two preseason games, including just 13 first half points. And that's what you focus on, right? Like what happens in the first halves of these preseason games in which you have starters or at least, uh, you know, a decent amount of starters playing uh, in the games. Now, look, scoring in preseason games can be so misleading. I don't do statistical deep dives on preseason games because doing that's ridiculous. And there's a lot of stuff in these preseason games that ends up meaning nothing for regular season games. But if you're just saying, all right, generally speaking, has Washington's offense been productive over two preseason games so far? There have been some things to like for sure, but overall, Washington isn't scoring in these preseason games. Like again, 30 points over two preseason games, just 13 first half points over two preseason games. Now, there's not a lot of game planning. That is true. So like that has to be factored into this. You say to yourself, all right, well, how much meaning does this have for someone like Ron Rivera? Well, here was Ron during his post-game press conference late night on Friday night on Washington's lack of offensive success in terms of scoring over two preseason games. Yeah, I mean, that's it. But, you know, still with, with the plays that we're running, you know, we, we can be a little more efficient. And, and, and again, we'll get an opportunity to really dive into it and watch the tape and, and kind of assess those things and see where we miss the opportunities. We should mention that Curtis Samuel did not play for the Washington football team on Friday night. Samuel, of course, has been brought along slowly of having dealt with that groin injury. It wasn't until this past Sunday, August 15th, that Washington activated Samuel from the active physically unable to perform list. Also not playing for Washington on Friday night, two tight ends, Samus Reyes and Tameric Hemingway, each has been in concussion protocol. So when it comes to Washington pass catchers on Friday night, there was some good. There also, though, were two really bad moments in the first quarter. So first of all, the Cam Sims lost fumble. Uh, That was terrible. Washington's third offensive drive, third snap, Sims a lost fumble on a third and 14 11-yard reception. Now, Cam initially was ruled down by contact, but Bengals head coach Zach Taylor challenged the play, and the challenge was successful. Cam lost the football while falling down and getting hit by Bengals linebacker Logan Wilson. You know, Cam has had an issue with his hands. He's had a problem with drops, and then in this game on Friday night, he commits a lost fumble. Also in the first quarter was what sure looked like a drop by Deami Brown. Uh, I watched the play a few times. Washington's first offensive drive uh, first drive of the game resulted in a first quarter punt. Third snap, Deami Brown had a drop on a Ryan Fitzpatrick second and six under center play action incompletion of Fitzpatrick throwing while running to his right. I actually thought Fitzpatrick did a nice job of extending that play, but Deami was unable to come through with the play. Now, with Washington's quarterbacks, we've talked in depth about two so far, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Taylor Heineke. Three Washington quarterbacks played in this game. Fitzpatrick played for the first quarter. Heineke played for the second and third quarters, and Kyle Allen played for the fourth quarter. Steven Montez did not play. I would expect that we see quite a bit of him in Washington's preseason finale against the Baltimore Ravens at FedEx Field Saturday evening, August 28th at 6. Allen entered the game for the fourth quarter. This was, of course, his preseason debut, right? Allen aggravated his surgically repaired left ankle on July 31st at Washington's final 2021 training camp practice in Richmond. He did not fully practice again until this past Sunday, August 15th. Uh, There really wasn't much to Allen's outing. He only had four pass attempts. He played for three drives, went two for four for 23 yards, no touchdowns and no interceptions. He took no sacks. Uh, His best throw, truthfully, I thought, was the back shoulder throw to Antonio Gandy-Golden on the two-point attempt. So after the Jarrett Patterson fourth quarter, second and goal, one yard shotgun handoff touchdown run, we got Washington going for two and Washington succeeding. A terrific play by Kyle Allen, a shotgun completion to Antonio Gandy-Golden on a back shoulder throw for a successful two-point attempt and a 17-10 Washington lead. And that, of course, really stood out, especially with Antonio Gandy-Golden having been unable to make the catch on a two-point attempt in Washington's 22-13 preseason opening loss at the New England Patriots on August 12th. 
Uh, also for Allen in this game was on Washington's 10th offensive drive. So this was Allen's second drive of the game. Uh, this drive did result in a fourth quarter punt for the first snap of the drive. Allen, a first and 10, 16-yard offset eye play action completion to Ricky Seals-Jones on a well-placed ball. Uh, to a sliding Seals-Jones. So that throw was really good, as was the throw to Gandy Golden on the two-point attempt. But like I said, not really much to sink your teeth into when it comes to Kyle Allen's preseason debut. Antonio Gibson. So we, of course, uh, raved about Jarrett Patterson during the front five. But Antonio Gibson, I thought, had a pretty good night. Seven carries for 28 yards. Now, I say pretty good because there were two short yardage runs on which he was unable to come through. But there was a short yardage run on which he did come through. So Washington's second offensive drive started at the Bengals' 45, resulted, though, in a first-quarter turnover on downs. Washington clearly wanted to get Antonio Gibson work in short-yarded situations. Washington clearly was evaluating Antonio Gibson as a short-yardage runner in this game on Friday night. Otherwise, you would have seen Peyton Barber. You did not. But first snap of the drive, first of all, Gibson, first and 10, nine-yard offset eye handoff run. Great. Second snap of the drive, Gibson, a second and one under center handoff run for no gain. Third snap of the drive, though, Gibson, a third and one four-yard under center handoff run on which he did a nice job of bouncing to his right. And then on the seventh snap of the drive, Gibson stuffed on a fourth and one shotgun handoff run for no gain. So Gibson on that drive on those short yardage runs essentially went one for three. He did come through on the third and one run with the four yard carry, but he got stuffed on a second and one run for no gain. And he got stuffed on a fourth and one run for no gain. Here was Ron Rivera during his postgame press conference on Antonio Gibson's short yardage running. Well, I think the thing he's, you know, he's, he's going to have to do is he can't be any hesitation. You know, he's got to find that crease and he's got to go out and go through it. And, and that's probably the biggest thing he's got to learn and understand. And I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, Ron. And, and I just think that, you know, it, it, it's, it's with him, it's going to be about the reps. The more repetitions he gets, um, we'll see it. Uh, you know, there were some really good moments early on in first and second downs. But, you know, learning to play the complete position in terms of being a third down back, being a, 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 a passing down back, being a short yards runner, um, it's a lot for him to learn. One other note on Gibson's night, Washington's fourth offensive drive resulted in Dustin Hopkins' late first quarter 34-yard field goal that tied the game at three. Second snap of the drive, Gibson a second and six, seven-yard under center handoff run. Uh, Also, Washington in this game on Friday night, just two accepted penalties. This off having just three accepted penalties in the preseason opening loss at the New England Patriots on August 12th. So five total accepted penalties for Washington over two preseason games. For comparison's sake, the Pats in Washington's first preseason game had nine accepted penalties. The Bengals in Washington's second preseason game had nine accepted penalties. So you can't say that the officials haven't been calling things in these games. Washington over its first two preseason games, a total of five accepted penalties. Washington's opponents over Washington's first two preseason games, a total of 18 accepted penalties. It's almost like the Washington football team is a well-coached team. Uh, I feel like that's an underrated aspect, though, of Washington so far this preseason. Not many penalties at all. Washington has not been sloppy in that regard. Now, one of Washington's accepted penalties against the Bengals was costly. Opening drive of the second half, an eight-play, 64-yard drive resulted in Brandon Allen's third quarter first and goal, one-yard under center quarterback sneak touchdown run. The ensuing extra point gave the Bengals a 10-6 lead. The snap right before the touchdown was a Derek Forrest unnecessary roughness penalty. Forrest had a helmet-to-helmet hit on Bengals receiver Trenton Irwin on a 19-yard reception. Now, this was actually a zero-yard penalty That was enforced at the Washington 1, but the penalty gave the Bengals a first and goal at the 1. Now, it's debatable whether that hit truly should be considered helmet-to-helmet. Yes, it was actual helmet-to-helmet contact, but that was one of those moments in which you say to yourself, was there any way realistically to avoid the helmet-to-helmet contact? Ron Rivera was not pleased during the game with that call. Here was Ron during his post-game press conference on the helmet-to-helmet penalty on Derek Forrest. Well, they, they felt it was helmet-to-helmet, and, and, and I don't think it was a helmet-to-helmet. It was an indirect, if it was anything. I mean, he, you know, he wasn't out trying to hit the guy in the head. He was trying to hit him right in the chest. 
you know, you, at the goal line, you have to hit a guy in the chest. Because if you if you go to cut the legs out, he just goes over the top and scores. So he went to hit him in the chest, and in my opinion, that's where he hit him. I could be wrong, but you know, I mean, if he if he hits him in the chest, the body's going to move and it's going to look like helmet to helmet. Yeah, it's hard to really kill Derek Forrest for that penalty. One more item: uh, Eric Flowers, not Wes Schweitzer, was Washington's starting left guard against the Bengals. Uh, Schweitzer had been Washington's starting left guard in the preseason opening loss at the Patriots on August 12th. So this has been like the one real legitimate competition, it feels like, for Washington offensively in training camp in terms of like a specific spot. Who is the starting left guard? The starting right tackle competition doesn't seem to be a competition at all. Samuel Cosme is the guy. Starting left guard, though, that's been kind of this back and forth seesaw battle. It looked for a while like Wes Schweitzer was in the lead. Now you got to wonder, right? Eric Flowers started this game on Friday night. Uh, perhaps Eric Flowers, who of course was Washington starting left guard in the 2019 season, then signed with the Miami Dolphins in the 2020 offseason, was traded back for by Washington this past offseason, is in fact back as uh, Washington's LG1 for this upcoming season. We'll see. But that stood out. Flowers, not Schweitzer as Washington's starting left guard on Friday night. Rod Rivera will be speaking to reporters via Zoom press conference Saturday afternoon at 12.30. We will have that to go through on Monday's installment of the Al Galdi podcast, episode 128. And I do want to let you know that this special Washington football team postgame installment of the Al Galdi podcast is brought to you in part by Dr. Matthew Mintz, a big supporter of the Al Galdi podcast. If you or someone you know is dealing with treatment-resistant depression, contact Dr. Matthew Mintz. He has a groundbreaking treatment called Spravato that is available, that is covered by many insurances, and that is affordable. Call Dr. Mintz's Bethesda office at 855-646-8963. That's 855-646-8963. And make sure that you mention this podcast, the Al Galdi podcast, because doing so will get you $50 off your initial consultation. That phone number again, 855-646-8963. If you are suffering from treatment-resistant depression, you need Suffer No More, Contact Dr. Matthew Mintz and tell him that Al Galdi sent you. All right, so we on Friday night had preseason game number two for the Washington football team, and we on Thursday had more regarding the name saga. Uh, this all started, of course, on Monday with the release of episode three of the team's YouTube series, Making the Brand. Uh, the episode is only about three minutes long, but the episode got a lot of attention because the episode features Washington football team president Jason Wright discussing potential new names and logos with Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew in a sit-down meeting. And toward the end of the video, we see Jason saying to Ron and Martin, quote, so the three that we'll go through are, end quote, and then the actual names that Jason says are bleeped out. And also toward the end of the video are Ron and Jason complimenting a name or multiple names with some more bleeps. Here's how all of this sounded. So the, the three that we'll go through are... And I like... I really like... That's really good. All right, so there you have it. The great tease by the Washington football team. What are the three names? Are those, in fact, the final three candidates for the Washington football team's permanent name? And as I brought up on Tuesday's show, episode 124, were those even names that Ron and Jason were talking about? Maybe they were talking about three logos for the same name. We couldn't be sure of anything. Well, Jason Wright, in a tweet on Thursday morning, confirmed that the team is down to and working through three final candidates for the permanent name of the team. So yes, what we saw toward the end of the video apparently were those three final candidates for the permanent name of the team currently known as the Washington football team. Although Jason Wright in an appearance on 106.7 The Fan on Thursday afternoon referred to the names as, quote, the final three or the list of three, end quote. And that phrasing, the list of three, 
seems to leave at least some wiggle room of, yeah, we're working through three final candidates for the permanent name of the team, but perhaps another candidate or two emerges. Perhaps the list expands. I don't know. Uh, Maybe I'm reading too much into what Jason said, but it was interesting to me that he said, quote, the final three or the list of three, end quote. Two thoughts, though, on all of this. So number one, I now am even more convinced that the permanent name of the team will be a name and not Washington football team or some version of that. I said a few weeks ago that I believe that Jason Wright is well aware of the problems of having a team essentially with no name and going with Washington football team or some version of that would be essentially having no name. But also just think about this. If the team, after all of this time, ends up just sticking with the placeholder name as the permanent name, (laughs) what does that say about this whole process and the people conducting the process? If the team ends up going with Washington football team or some version of that as the permanent name, I mean, the last year plus of the team going through this rebranding process looks like a big waste of time. And the people in charge of that process, including, of course, Jason Wright, look foolish and look like they couldn't even come up with anything better than Washington football team. The name change process started in July 2020. Jason has said that the permanent name will be revealed in early 2022. If the permanent name ends up being Washington football team or some version of that, what exactly was the point of the whole rebrand process, the whole rebrand journey, you know? And what does it say about Jason and his team that they couldn't come up with anything better than Washington football team or some version of that over the course of more than a year? So I do think that an actual name is coming, and that's a good thing. I want the team currently known as the Washington football team to have an actual name. Second point, while I am totally fine with the team marketing the name change process via something like this YouTube series, I hope that the team understands that this little game that is being played now is potentially antagonizing the fan base. Look, the name change is a negative, regardless of where you stand on whether the name should have changed to begin with. No team looks forward to changing its name. So I'm totally fine with the team trying to take this negative and turn it into at least somewhat of a positive in marketing the name change process and engaging the fan base. But that video with the bleeps, with the tease... That took the marketing of the name change process and took the fan engagement to heighten levels because the tease was a provocation, you know, not in an antagonistic way, but the tease was a provocation. The team doing this thing of, we have three finalists, but we won't tell you the finalists. We bleeped out the finalists. Guess what the finalists are? That provokes the fan base. Now, The hope is that the provoking is received in a fun and playful way, uh, but there's no guarantee of that. You know, you can start to annoy people, even anger people, with something like that tease. Now, personally, I'm not annoyed. I'm not angry. But I could see how people could be, especially people who hate that the name is changing from Redskins to begin with. And I would just caution Jason Wright to be cognizant of this. You see, and this is something that I know most of you understand and that Jason Wright better understand, fans of the team currently known as the Washington football team, uh, we have been angered by many things from the team over the last quarter century. The last thing that the team should be doing is manufacturing another thing that angers the fan base. The fan base has been ticked off enough. The fan base does not need to be ticked off anymore. Marketing the name change process and engaging the fan base are fine. I would say even good. I don't blame the team for doing those things one bit. I want to make that clear. But there's a fine line between marketing the name change process and flunting the name change process. There's a fine line between engaging the fan base and annoying the fan base, even angering the fan base. And I just hope that Jason Wright and his team including Washington's social media team, are aware of all of this. To say nothing of how that tease only further increases the pressure on the team to get the name change right. Although that pressure already was sky high, so I'm not sure that adding to that pressure 
really does all that much. That's almost like a false start penalty by your defense when the opposing team already has the ball at your one. You know, half the distance to the goal is nothing at that point. Further increasing the pressure on the team to get the name change right may be nothing at this point, given how extreme the pressure already was. This is a monumental task, this name change. This is not easy. There is no perfect name. Every name candidate is flawed in some way. The last thing that the Washington football team needs to be doing is making things worse. I don't think that that is what the team is doing, but there is that risk, and the team needs to be aware of that. All right, that will do it for you and me. But just for now, keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Ron Rivera will do a day after the game press conference on Saturday. So we'll have that to go through on Monday's show, episode 128, during which we'll also get into everything that is happening this weekend with the Nationals and Orioles. I am off to sleep for about 20 minutes and then try to survive the dual birthday party. Have a great rest of your weekend and I'll talk to you on Monday. You like it in Jewish, eh? Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, You won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.